Welcome to Hustle and Thrive, a working culture podcast for conversations on living, working, and thriving in arts and culture. This episode is hosted by Yomi John with co-host Stephanie Draker. This conversation has been a long time coming, and today we're talking to Amanda Singh, Hannah Glazer, and Julian Rutherford, who I had a pleasure of meeting through Working Culture's partnership with Culture's Compass. Culture's Compass is a virtual conference by Humber, and you can still get recordings for the conference at culturescompass.com, right? Is that right, everyone? Yes. And so, as I said also, since starting this podcast, I've always wanted to talk with art students. And after the conference, plus given that we're in a COVID era, I've been interested in getting the student recent grad and early emerging perspective on recovering and rebuilding the arts and culture sector. So before we dive into the conversation, can we, can you all give me a very brief intro of yourself? For example, give me your full names, what you studied and what work you're doing or would love to do. So we'll start with you, Amanda. Okay, so I am Amanda Singh. I'm in the Arts Administration and Cultural Management Program at Humber College. And uh, what I'm doing right now uh, for internships is I'm a pre-screener at JAWU's Human Rights Film Festival. And I just finished up uh, the Work in Culture and Creative Works in Humber Center for Creative Innovation and Business, uh, the Culture's Compass Conference. So what I'm interested in doing moving forward is doing more program management roles, also looking into communications and community engagement and development. Thanks, Amanda. What about you, Hannah? All right, so I'm Hannah Glazer, and same as Amanda, I'm studying at Humber College for Arts Administration and Cultural Management. At the moment, I'm still actually working with Humber as a branding officer, and at the same time, I'm working with the Dancer Transition Resource Center as a program and administration coordinator. Ideally, I would like to work, um, or at least try once in my life, to work in a museum or gallery setting, as that was what I studied in my undergrad. But looking forward, I would really love to work with community art projects. Thanks. What about you, Julian? Uh, So my name is Julian Rutherford. Uh, I'm also in the Arts Administration and Cultural uh, Management Program at Humber College. And uh, I'm currently also working as a marketing and administration coordinator for Shakespeare in Action, which is a... Uh, an organization based in North York uh, that that kind of brings Shakespeare to, to kids and to kind of schools. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that's always been my kind of main area of, of interest is education and, and working with youth. So uh, any kind of, if I can work in that realm in any capacity, I would be really happy. Yeah, it sounds like you all have big dreams and it's exciting to know that you all are interested in still working in the arts and pursuing your your heart desires, even though we're in this situation right now. I feel like the arts is used to uh, to hardship and to, to shifts. So it's always kind of like a, uh, like artists are very resilient. <laughs> um, but picking up on, on what you were saying, Julian, about, um, you know, the, 
speaking to that resiliency of the of the sector, um, it, it brings me you know back to the to the virtual conference that the three of you are are just coming off of freshly. Um, and I mean, we have to say, I mean, ha having been partners, but also been um, participants in the conference, you all did such a great work organizing a virtual conference within such a short period of time and with um, uh, such need to consider what was going on in the world in terms of the, the COVID pandemic. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, very briefly, um, could you tell us what it felt like to organize a virtual conference and what were your individual experiences or connections um, to the conference? And um, maybe we can start off with uh, Hannah. Uh, organizing an online virtual conference was definitely very interesting. It's uh, mm -hmm. first for all of us, for sure, especially since we're in this kind of situation right now. I would say it was very exhilarating, especially since we planned such a large conference in a short period of time. And it was mainly a reaction yeah. as to everything that's happening in the industry at the moment. For me personally, it was very impactful because we were able to switch a lot of the things that we had initially discussed the first week uh, by the second week, simply because of things that were happening in the environment with BLM and activism happening all around us. So it was mm -hmm. really great that we were able to adjust based off of what's happening in our environments and be able to have these important conversations in our conference and make sure that we're being a part of the conversation and heightening those voices as well. Absolutely. Excellent points. Um, Julian, did you have anything to uh, add? Uh, yeah, I, I agree with everything that Hannah said. Um, I think for me, it was very, uh, like, it was kind of a, an interesting experience because I was kind of put in charge of uh, a lot of, like, along with Hannah, but I was, like, put in charge of a lot of the social media marketing. And uh, social media isn't necessarily my forte, so I had to kind of adjust um so i don't even think it was specific to kind of the fact that it was a virtual conference and we were kind of uh kind of limited to working from home and all that um i just had to really kind of <laughs> become kind of like I, I felt like i had to kind of bridge the gap that i had that i had kind of had with my the rest of my generation that was more kind of instagram savvy and all that because i had i had never used instagram in my life before so mm -hmm. I kind of learned this and, and everything was very fast paced with the conference and everything was changing all the time, which was kind of normal in, in these kinds of projects, but it was just, it was very kind of, um, it was a lot to take in at times. So uh, I think it was a good experience in the sense that it, it taught me a lot about the fact that there's never enough time and that you have to, to really be kind of prepared for anything and to just kind of try your best to stay on top of of, of what you have to do and to really be kind of proactive. Well, if there was any, uh, any description that was more fitting for the sector, I think you've, you've <laughs> nailed it. I mean, it certainly <laughs> is one that requires folks to wear many hats and, um, you know, respond to opportunities. Yeah. You know, <laughs> what, what we, we frame it like that, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> thank you, Julian. And uh, Amanda, how about you? Uh, yes, I actually, I agree with Jillian as well. There was a, a learning curve for me um, in that we, I was a programming officer for the conference and I found that a lot of it was trying to um, maintain correspondence with 
our speakers and making sure everyone was on the same page, making sure everyone felt comfortable using the technology that we were using um, because we had actually collaborated um, with our logistics team and they had done an amazing job, honestly, to try and figure out what platforms would be beneficial for this conference. And in that, it meant that we were also learning about it, trying to teach others about it. Um, I, I had a great experience. I was able to do different roles in this, in this position. I was co- uh, co-hosting. Uh, presenting the performers. I learned about uh, writing up performer contracts, which was probably something I found to be uh, a, a real, a real learning. It was a, it was a big learning curve for me uh, just to get the legal speak down and to make sure that just to make sure that you have all areas covered Oh, that's great. Thanks for sharing, Amanda. And certainly, I mean, the, the arts is full of opportunities for those types of learning curves and um, going from being students and learning about the sector, then actually applying it to real life situations and trying to respond to current trends and situations through a conference. It's two very different things. Um, uh, we've heard a bit from all three of you on on some of the things that you, you learned from from working on the conference, but I'm wondering, is there uh, anything else that um, that you might highlight um, that organizing a conference, you know, generally or a virtual conference in particular, um, that taught you something new on a personal or professional level? I, I think one thing I really enjoyed about our team is that we really. I think it was a very positive work environment. Like everyone was really supportive and nice and respectful towards each other, which just kind of happened organically and naturally. So I think that was just an important reminder of of how uh, important that is in any workplace and just like how much you can achieve when you have a team of people that is truly on the same page and, and kind of supportive of one another, because I don't know that we would have been as, uh, successful or as we would have achieved as much as we did if we were kind of if it was a different working environment and we were more kind of at odds with each other because I think this kind of project really required us to hone in and to to be kind of like a unit in every sense of the word yeah the collaborative experience was um really really advantageous uh just because knowing that you can rely on your team members was a comfort and a relief. It also gives you more confidence to perform in your, in the workplace. I found, um, I knew that I could rely on my programming team. I knew that if I had any questions, I could go to logistics and everyone has been kind and supportive. And I think during this time, that's something that, has been so helpful. Yeah, I like that you bring up this idea of relying on your team. And I think that's something that even for everyone working in other situations, not a small, very fast, quick conference as Cultures Compass, but just in other working environments with COVID, having to rely on your team and being supportive of one another is what has helped us to be able to, I would say that to recover, but to just be able to cope. And I know that being in Cultures Compass was 
sort of like a safe environment because it was something, it was work that you got through school. And thankfully, Humber was able to um, open this opportunity for all of you to work on such a great project. And so I think what I'm trying to say is that now that the conference is done, can you share your feelings about the impact of COVID on starting or progressing your careers in the arts? Because like you'll be moving to, or you're all already in other situations, working in other places and thinking about your future. So what are your thoughts? What are you guys feeling? And how are you working towards this feelings? Uh, uh, thank you for the question. That's a really good question. Um, I think that I like, I'm not really worried about the future just because I don't think that's, uh, I just don't really want to think that way, <laughs> but I try to find the opportunity and everything. And I think this is kind of like a, uh, the, like we were kind of heading in this direction anyways, kind of like the online transition online. So I think it's, that's kind of what I'm trying to focus on, trying to find the opportunities of maybe kind of thinking new, finding new ways of, of kind of working and of, of creating opportunities for myself. So um, I think I'm just trying to learn things like, uh, like currently for my current internship, I'm doing a lot of like web um, kind of website management and graphic design and stuff like that. So that's been really in interesting to learn uh, just because like, I think that's just those are the kind of skills that I want to kind of have in my back pocket just because I feel like that's the kind of stuff that's going to be more and more kind of required of everyone to be able to have that kind of digital literacy that um, will be kind of part of more entrenched in every kind of work environment. So for the arts as well. Um, so that's kind of what I'm looking at. I'm trying to find the I'm trying to look at it as like the opportunities that will arise from this situation as opposed to kind of like how limited I am. But it's true, like the, 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 the job um, search has been kind of uh, challenging and uh, there aren't as many, well, it's, I, the, I, it's not so much that there aren't as many opportunities. I think it's more there's just more competition and it's hard to kind of gauge at this point still what, what jobs will kind of, uh, fall through even if they're being kind of advertised and there's still that kind of uncertainty that that you can't necessarily gauge when you're applying for a job online and so that that kind of uh is kind of disappointing sometimes but other than that I, I think I'm I'm kind of excited to see what the future holds I'm excited to see what what kind of innovation and creativity will will emerge from our sector and how we will rise from this because I think because I believe we will like we, we have in the past I think we will we will create an, an amazing we will, we will we will have an amazing kind of um, res, res, resurgence from this I like your outlook on this um, what about you Amanda uh, well I've noticed there's a shift in the arts and culture sector since COVID has progressed um, it's made a lot of issues that artists and art workers have already been dealing with. Uh, they've been pushed to the forefront. So there's things like artists struggling in Toronto to pay their rent. They're forced out of homes. They're um, living in poor conditions. There's our working rate wages. Even I 
also see that representation and pluralism is becoming a, a major concern for the industry. And for me, that's kind of motivating because I'm seeing opportunities open up for me and for others in the community. I know that this is a hard situation that we're all going through, but it's it's very encouraging to see that people are recognizing the, the issues and concerns that we're having and wanting to address them. And because of that, it gives us the chance to make a change and to try and be more inclusive. And that's something that I have wanted to work upon uh, doing community engagement and in particular working with representation because we need it. And that is, that's how we move forward. You know, we need to include more voices, opinions and thoughts. And with COVID it's been, it's, it's, kind of weird because this this thing that's happened to us, this public uh, health crisis is kind of that push, that catalyst for us to go out and start making progress and change. And I really, I, I'm kind of motivated by that for sure. Yeah, I see that as well. Um, I think a lot of people have their eyes open to the struggles that artists are experiencing and it's good. It's very, very, very good. And it's important that we are able to see it and people are being forced to actually try to make changes and fix the system. What about you, Hannah? I would say I'm a little bit different than both Amanda and Julian in this aspect, because at the very beginning when COVID hit, I was mentally preparing myself to consider having to leave this industry without fully even immersing myself into it, simply because at the very beginning, with our education, we weren't sure what was going to happen, um, if we were going to have an internship experience or not, if we would be able to graduate. There was a lot of things up in the air, and it was a very stressful time. If it wasn't for the whole Cultures Compass experience and that internship, there's a possibility that I might have still been in that state of questioning my path and when or if I would ever be able to re-enter this industry. But because of the whole experience of working on Cultures Compass with such a great team, meeting so many industry professionals and seeing all the shifts that everyone's willing to start making to be able to make this a better industry, more inclusive, more diverse, more open, and to listening especially, I do see that there is a lot of potential for the whole industry to reshift once things start opening up again. So that's a highlight. Um, but on the other end, there's still that aspect of us being new there's a lot of opportunities out there that are starting to pop up but they're going to go to those people that have been working in this industry for longer and have lost their jobs because of covid they take priority especially since there's so much precarity in the work and there's so many artists as amanda said that 
you know, they're having housing problems. And for that, I am grateful that there is movement right now going on asking for basic income for arts workers and gig economy workers. But it definitely raises a question as to what it's going to look like for emerging professionals going forward in this industry as we're pretty new and a lot of these um, livable positions that are opening up are more so catered to those that have experience. So taking it day by day for sure and seeing what's going to happen and trying to keep a positive outlook because there are great changes that are coming, but I'm not sure how fast they will come without the help of the government and them really paying attention to what this industry needs. Yeah, very great point. I'm glad that you raised that question because it's it's something that I and Steph have had conversations about. Like we, and that's why we're even having this conversation in the first place because we want to know what you guys are feeling. And maybe at the end of this recording, we can we we're looking forward to sharing this with people in the sector who are thought leaders and who have been established so that they can hear and also work on solutions so that while they're thinking about making changes and mostly maybe thinking about the ones that have already been established or have been working in the sector for a while, that they also have students, youth emerging at the back of their mind while coming up with solutions. Absolutely. And, and just really to echo um, Yomi's, uh, Yomi's points, um, you know, one of the areas that that we feel working culture could be improving on, and and this is really the um, um, the motivations behind what the, the work that Yomi is doing in terms of engaging students and recent grads, uh, is is really having those discussions around the future of work and what it looks like, and and not just engaging the people that are currently working in the sector uh, because they're working with systems that are well established and in some senses problematic, um, or in other uh, senses, you know really needing to be changed um, either for the, you know, for, for the better or to be innovative and innovative, um, uh, innovated rather further. Um, and, and we're just not sure where, how students are contributing to those conversations uh, and, and, you know, whether or not their, their input is um, being taken into account uh, as these decisions are being made. Um, so it, it leads me to the next question that, that we have on um whether you feel as students and soon to be recent grads, uh, if there are very specific experiences or opportunities um, that either you, you've started to speak about or haven't spoken about yet that you feel you need to ensure that you're able to keep on track on your, of your um, career development uh, as we're moving into the recovery and rebuilding phases post-COVID. Uh, and, and I'm wondering, Amanda, could we, could we start with you? Uh, yes, um, I I have felt that I've needed to build up that repertoire of skills uh, during this COVID situation. <laughs> um, I've known that digital strategies, especially for the arts industry, is something that um, I need to develop and kind of be on top of because that's that's where we're moving towards 
um, trying to work on live performances, uh, video performances, interacting through podcasts, through um, Zoom meetings and things like that. And knowing how to operate those platforms is something that is essential to us and going out into the workforce right now. I think that also trying to work on uh, CRM, our customer relations as well, like trying to find the audience to make sure that they are being heard and that we're giving them the content that they need. I feel like it's, it's a little bit difficult for me just trying to know where I stand and what I need to do in order to be relevant in in the industry and also to future employers. Like what am, what am I seeing when I'm looking at job postings? Um, how can I work on those requirements and make sure that that's what they need? Yeah, I, it, but it's also sort of trying to keep calm during these situations as well, because I think looking for, looking for opportunities and building these experiences can be a little stressful. Um, and trying to find my own meditation and uh, calmness as I look for, as I look for these opportunities, I think has been really something that I'm working on. We're a sector that um, I think has, has struggled somewhat in terms of keeping up with digital uh, progress, but we certainly have a workforce that is coming up that is is very technically savvy and um, you know trying to just navigate the the tools that that we need at this point can be can be daunting when there is such um, you know urgency created by the situation that we find ourselves in with with COVID. Um, thank you, Amanda. Um, Hannah, uh, do you have uh, any experience or opportunities that you feel? you need right now to help with your career advancement? I would agree with Amanda in her thinking of it's very difficult for us to kind of see what exactly we need to be able to keep advancing because in our regular lives pre-COVID, it would have been working, volunteering, networking, and now networking is such a different experience when it's online it's not quite the same you don't get that personal connection with people and at the same time volunteering is a whole different experience uh, so it's great because you can volunteer for an organization from home in some cases and you can add that as a job experience but at the same time you're not getting that hands-on experience that you would have liked to of being there you're not really getting to know the job or the industry or the sector quite as well because you're not fully present in that environment. I would say one thing that I've taken to a lot is courses, online courses with credentials because I'm still learning and I'm still adding a different kind of experience to my CV in that sense. But at the end of the day, I feel like it's a strange place that newcomers or emerging professionals are being placed into as there is this stress of this whole pandemic happening and there are voices that say you don't have to overwork yourself or stress on accomplishing things because we are experiencing something that's new to everyone and then there's the other side of this 
the coin where people are constantly telling you that this is a time to be motivated and get started and do as much as you can. So it's definitely been an interesting time to kind of think of where you can balance yourself in this. Um, Personally, I have two jobs at the moment, technically three, one of them's on hold because of COVID, plus doing courses and whatever I can to keep myself busy, but it can get really exhausting. So like Amanda, finding activities, I do yoga myself to be able to keep yourself in tune or in check, but that doesn't always help with the things that you need to be able to get those jobs at the end of the day. So it's an interesting place of where do we fit or where should we place ourselves to be able to keep growing and get ourselves into the industry. I think you've highlighted some excellent points. I mean, it's not business as usual, um, uh, you know, certainly during this time, but uh, businesses are still trying to stay open and, and trying to offer the um, the same or as, as close to the same type of experiences that we're, we're used to. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it is new for everyone. Um, but there, there certainly is the sentiment, I think, that we don't want to leave anybody behind. But, of course, we don't know what things are going to look like in, in two months or, or six months from now. Um, so it is quite uh, it is quite a balancing act. I can, I can definitely uh, relate and empathize with that, uh, with that sentiment. Um, Julian, did you have uh, anything that you'd like to add? Uh, yeah. So for, for me personally, I think, uh, as I mentioned earlier, I'm, I'm really interested in education. So um, I, I am contemplating going at some point to teacher's college or to get some some kind of, well, yeah, I guess that's the only kind of teacher credentials I could get is a t- like a, a bachelor of education. So to, to kind of transition as well into that world, and I'm particularly interested in, because I'm I'm Francophone and I grew up in a Francophone kind of environment to kind of go back to that and to, to see what opportunities exist in kind of the Francophone, the Franco-Ontarian, the, the, like the, the different Franc- Francophone communities within Ontario, within other provinces outside of Quebec, uh, to kind of see where I can kind of find opportunity there because I think that's a side of my kind of personal heritage that I have kind of not been invested in for a long time. So that's, I think that's where my kind of thinking is gearing towards and just everything else that uh, Amanda and Hannah have, have said already, just kind of, I'm kind of trying to figure out what exactly needs to, like what skills I need, or like kind of, it's like, to me, it's like the balancing act between the skills that I should learn, because these are the skills that are going to be kind of uh, like like asked of me from employers, but also the skills that I want to learn for my own personal health and for my own uh, personal happiness, um, and to find that kind of that balance because I think they kind of go hand in hand, like a like being a, a, a healthy, um, happy person only makes me a better employee. Um, so yeah, like everything that Hannah and, Man- and Amanda mentioned, I've also thought about and. Uh, also just the whole digital literacy, technology, artificial intelligence, all that stuff is like really fascinating to me. So I just, I think any opportunity to learn more about that or to kind of get kind of some experience in that area would be really fascinating and interesting to me. Because I think that's like where the the world in general is heading. And I, I don't want to be kind of completely clueless when that like transition ultimately happens. So I'm trying to be kind of like, mindful but not rush into learning all these things at the same time and not actually being kind of 
like I don't want to I don't want to put too much on my plate essentially Oh, of course. I mean, it, it goes back to that point of uh, trying to, to achieve that balance between professional development and, and health, as you put it. Um, yeah. I mean, it, I mean, that kind of thinking has 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 been at the core of a lot of movements uh, we found uh, within the nonprofit and within the art sector specifically, but only um, only, only emphasized even more so. Um, during the pandemic, as as people are are struggling to um, you know just reimagine in, in some instances what their jobs might look like um, and and what the sector might look like as well, mm-hmm. um, it it leads me to another question, uh, and I'll I'll just put this out to the three of you. Um, anyone can respond. Um, you know we we've kind of started touching on it, but I, I'm wondering if your connections to specific um, artistic disciplines within the sector. Um, have influenced your your job search or your career development, um, or potentially you know shifts that you've seen with COVID happening have affected whether or not you um, you know want to pursue a particular discipline because of what's been happening. Um, you know, any any insights into into that uh, that element? Uh, I I really I, like I guess my main uh, area has been theater in the performing arts. So I, I, I probably try to stay within that just cause that's kind of the, my passion and the world that I love. Um, I'm not entirely sure what theater, live theater, live performance will look like after this. Um, I don't know when theaters will open again uh, or like what, when, I don't know when kind of things will go back to, a place where actors and theater creators can make kind of a living wage off of their work. Uh, but I feel like that's theater to me is very special and it's, it's a very kind of beautiful art form that I don't want to see kind of diminished in any way. I would only want it to be kind of become more prominent in our society. So I feel like that's always going to be something that motivates me to try to find ways to make theater and performing arts a more central aspect of like everyone's kind of experience because I feel like the arts bring so much to everyone's lives. And it's particularly in education, trying to make arts education more prominent in schools and kind of more kind of entrenched in in kids like uh, the upbringing of kids and all that because I think it's it's missing and it's a, it's an unfortunate reality that it's underfunded and it's not being kind of supported in the way that I believe it should be so I think that's always something that's going to motivate me to fight for excellent well more power to you yeah, thank you <laughs> yeah uh, and, and uh, Amanda or uh, Hannah um anything else to add um from your position or from, you know, where you see yourself supporting specific disciplines uh, or even the disciplines that you're just interested in? For myself, there's always kind of been a question of where exactly within the industry I fit because I'm interested in so much of it. I did specialize in fine art, but I spent my whole life dancing. And for me, it's been great seeing performing arts and fine arts kind of adjust to ways of being online. Like Etobicoke Arts had an online curating experience, which is cool to see. So there's adjustments that are happening that are becoming a little bit more accessible for people to experience the arts 
which is amazing and great. And myself, I have worked, I worked at ArtsPond and it is a digital arts service organization. So I did get a lot of the skills and tool sets to be able to function from an online perspective. And I have that ability to bring that into those sectors if need be. But it's more so kind of figuring out how they need it and where I fit in going forward because of all these adjustments. And a question of something that actually came up during our conference was, should every art industry necessarily transition online? Because then you're taking away that ephemeral aspect of it as well. So I'm curious to see as to how things are going to be changing and where I can fit in with my specific skill sets. But personally, I do want to be a large part of the difference in making art more representational and diverse. And I'm curious as to see how different boards and organizations are willing to make that happen and the changes that they're going to make happen and seeing if I can lend a hand to give my opinion in that aspect in any way. Excellent points. Uh, I mean, to your earlier point about um, that the digitization of the sector that, uh, I mean, it's, it's very pressing on, on many people's minds and, and um, within all of the disciplines. Um, But, you know, I, I, I agree with your, your statement around um, the fact that it's, it's not quite the same experience right now. It's, it's quite disembodying um, in some, in some ways, but Ultimately, I don't want to dismiss um, this transition to digital, but I, I too am curious um, as to how exactly it will um, either expand or improve upon as, as we, you know, move through this recovery uh, and rebuilding period. So it's yes, it's something that um, we're we're monitoring as well, and um, I think certainly the, the generations coming up. Um, who are more tech savvy and who are calling for more digital literacy, um, you know, will be at the forefront of that and, and definitely at the core of the future of work movement. Um, Amanda, did you have anything to add? I come from a film background. So with my working with the Human Rights Film Festival, Jayu, I found that there's, there are a lot of, uh, as Hannah mentioned, a lot of adjustments that are being made uh, with online screenings and doing online Q&As with directors and producers. I think that there's going to be a little bit more of a collaborative future for online and live perspectives for the industry, especially for film. I, I believe that Film, you can have it both ways, that you can kind of have your solo experience while being in an audience. And at the moment, we're all kind of going through that individual experience, and we're not really in a theater right now to kind of gauge what the audience is feeling, how to build upon that. But I, I that's what I'm hopeful for. I'm hoping that this move towards the technological shift, the digital shift that we're going to see something, not just, not that we're just going to commit to online and digital strategies, but that we're going to see somehow an an evolution of that to see how we can bring back live performances and make it more interactive, even make our, 
work more interactive for for us as as staff and then as audience members. And see, there you are. Just when when I thought, um, you know, I wasn't sure where things were going to go. I mean, you popped right in there with um, the most motivating way I could think about this transitional, uh, this digital transition that we're having. Thank you, Amanda. So I would even add that um, to Amanda's point too. We definitely do need to keep an aspect of the live arts alive going forward because it's not even though we are moving more towards technology not everyone has access to technology so if we do want to keep being as accessible as possible making sure that there is a stream of access for everyone oh absolutely i couldn't agree more and um i mean i think that also goes down to your point about looking at our boards and looking at our um at the um the bodies that are overseeing some of these organizations and ensuring that that is part of the conversation as well. You've all raised very important points. And just to go back to some of the things that you all have said and just bringing it all with the question of what the what people on board and leaders of organizations are doing or are thinking or are working on. Like Amanda, you've mentioned that you want there to be more of a collaborative future. Um, Julian, you want um, arts education to be taken more seriously or to be seen as important and more prominent. Um, So just thinking about how the sector adapts and rebuilds during this time, do you guys have any concerns about who is and isn't at the table making all the decisions for the arts sector, especially in terms of making decisions for students and um, recent grads and youth. And what do you hope that the sector could could and should be doing to make your experience and your career advancement more progressive and easier to navigate? Because I've heard how this is definitely a stressful time for everyone. You're being told to to relax and just take the time to breathe. And then you're also being told that you should be um, you see this as an opportunity and come up with new work or opportunities for your, um, just to develop your career or something. And there's this, diffi- it's difficult to balance all these acts and trying to learn new skills f- for employment and then skills for that you need for your own self and your mental health. So what, what do you hope that the sector as leaders, people on boards, should be doing or could be doing to make things easier, more progressive, and just a lot better for especially emerging and students and early grads? I would say I'm definitely concerned of how things have, well, I was definitely concerned in the past of how these organizations are running themselves and the people that are in charge of making all these decisions, because personally, I'm about 85% of the time, not represented in who is making these decisions. So for myself, definitely part of my drive of being someone that is able to make that change of having more access and diversity and more representation within the sector is having it be more welcoming. Because in my own personal life, I'm just about one of the few out of my large family that has an interest in the arts because they don't feel welcome to the whole art industry within Canada. Um, We're from Colombia, so we have a very different outlook and the arts are very important to us, but we're not represented in most of the ways that it is shared and shown here. 
So definitely for sure more welcoming, whether it be by language or opportunities, just having them being more open to the kind of experiences that people bring with them, not just their work experience, but their life experience as well coming into these these different jobs. Yeah, that's true. And also thinking about representation based on different identities too, that is something that we should also be thinking about in terms of like what we want the sector to do better or should start working on. Uh, what about you, Julian? Um, I think the only thing I can say is that I, I just hope that all these conversations about um, diversity and pluralism and equity are be, they're more than just conversations. I, I would like to see organizations implement all of these conversations and turn them into actionable strategic goals that they that they plan for, that they budget for, that they they like actually allocate resources towards. And that they come up with a, a plan to, on how they can actually kind of make those larger conversations into a reality that, as Hannah mentioned, is welcoming to everyone. Because I think it's kind of disappointing to, to, to that these conversations, especially in the art sector, have been going on for a long time. And it's not like it's not like these are conversations that are, are happening in cl- behind closed doors anymore. Like these have been pretty... Uh, there have been a lot of very outspoken people speaking from all um, from multiple experiences talking about these, and the fact that they haven't been translated into actionable, tangible change is kind of frustrating. And the fact that it takes like such a um, a movement like the Black Lives Matter movement and a pandemic for these conversations to kind of become more in the forefront, I just hope that this is like the final that, that this isn't just kind of like a a, a trend, and that these are. That there's there's going to be actions that make change happen as opposed to just kind of like a like a uh, this is just like a, a a topic of conversation for the next year and then it kind of is back to business as usual. That would be my hope is just that people in positions of power, especially white people in positions of power, white male white males in positions of power, are able to kind of make room, make space for for people from other experiences so that organizations from top to bottom can actually change. And and then the sector will kind of evolve and change and become more welcoming and inclusive. Because until that happens, it's just going to be a conversation. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, I know. And honestly, (laughs) since everything's been happening, the pandemic, the Black Lives Matter movement, we've been seeing changes in the sense that you see people stepping down from positions and people being forced to have these conversations, people being called out, people being like tagged and being asked, what are you going to do? And people not having a choice, but to have some response. And as you said, we're hoping that it's not just because you were forced to do it in the moment that you or the leaders are, are saying things. And we hope that it's, it goes beyond that. And it, is and there are actions that are being put in place right now as we're speaking. I'm just hoping and actually praying that honestly, these actions, everything that everyone's been saying, saying that yes, they are they are standing with Black Lives Matter and they are standing with the indigenous community, that it's not just talk and that they're actually strategic planning and 
communications planning that is going on behind the scenes, working with actual people from the communities to bring all these conversations to the forefront so we can see change. Um, is there anything that you'd like to add to this, Amanda? Yeah, I, I would say that I'm looking for permanence. So a lot like what Julian was saying, that this isn't going to be a trend. I want to have uh, long-lasting structural systems set in place, maybe a redistribution of responsibilities so that there will be more room for people to enter the room and bring their opinions and bring their viewpoints to the industry. I think that's something I'm looking forward to uh, for our advancement and progressing the arts and culture sector is to really prioritize these, these conversations and prioritize these actions and really show how, how we want to move forward and what we can do to move forward. So I completely agree. There's something that I also wanted to bring up because recently, or I guess in, in April, as an organization, just because of the pandemic and with the Black Lives Matter movement, um, we, we put out a survey just to find out what the sector wants and what they feel would be useful for them and to help them feel better and to also, like, what kind of training do they need? And we heard things like they want um, training on strategic planning, creative skills, business skills, marketing, remote work skills. I mean, we know what um, arts administrators who are have been in the sector for quite a while want and what creatives want. However, we also I'm also interested in knowing if there's there's other things that you specifically need as folks who are still students and will be graduating soon and are just have started building your career in the sector. So is there anything that you you guys need? And I know you've already mentioned um, other ideas, but is there anything else that you can add to, to this list that would help us to create new programming or um, training that would be beneficial to students? I, I think Hannah mentioned earlier that there's a lot of jobs that we won't be able to get because a lot of people with more seniority will be prioritized. Um, mm-hmm. so I think I would hope that there's a deliberate effort to create jobs for young up-and-coming artists and arts administrators and also just to even even high school kids or just like people, just youth in general to have access to mentorship, to training, to uh, even if they're just curious about working in the arts, like I think there's just like there are barriers in place or there's kind of like cultural attitudes towards the arts that make it seem like kind of almost this thing that isn't that isn't for everyone or that that not everyone can can do. So I would hope that those barriers can be kind of lifted, so to speak, and that they're beyond us as uh, students in an arts administration program who are very clearly interested in working in the arts, that just kind of the arts sector in general can be uh, kind of more of like a, a meeting ground for, for people from all 
kind of industries or I don't know if that makes sense, but, uh, <laughs> but, but definitely to, to create deliberate programs or um, opportunities for you specifically so that we don't have to compete with people who are, are, who have more experience than us and who are also looking for work. Cause otherwise it just creates a, it's just an unbalanced playing field that doesn't cater to us specifically. So I would hope that that was, that would be something that's thought about or, and hopefully kind of turned into like a government program or something, or like or arts organizations can create like youth specific, um, and even like youth specific uh, jobs for people of color or youth specific jobs for, for LGBTQ folk, or you know what I mean? Just like those, those like yeah. very specific kind of uh, considerations be taken seriously and turned into opportunities. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Uh, anyone else have anything to share? I would add that if those opportunities are something that we are able to do, since there's not a lot of funding coming into the industry in certain sectors of it, so I know it becomes difficult, but a sense of permanency in those opportunities as well, because this contract precarity, it becomes a lot, and it's a lot of a big reason of why people end up leaving the industry because it's difficult to be going from contract to contract. So even if it's a one year permanent or two, that's so much better than having to go two months at a time or six months at a time. It gets exhausting. And all those opportunities that are coming out for a lot of us at the moment, that's what we have available. And we're just coming out of school. A lot of us have student debt to think about too. So it becomes automatically we're coming into this industry already facing these financial hardships. So finding a way to give us a way to excel and feel that we can make it in this industry and not have that big dropout rate, I guess, in a sense of abandoning the industry so quickly and having to come back to it later on in our lives when we're more stable. That is another great point. Yeah, I think one line that I that really stands out for me is from both of you, Julianne and Anna, is that deliberate jobs, de deliberate programs for students, and then the sense of permanence for those programming. Because as you said, people would not be encouraged to stay if these opportunities are always just one-off. So we, this is something that we are hoping to get the word out that instead of just creating one of small short-term opportunities, people want to long-term opportunities because that gives them the motivation and it keeps them excited. It keeps everyone excited to want to stay and they see the promise of the sector because even the leaders, they, they, it's stuff that we talk about in boardrooms where we are also concerned as folks who have been in here for quite a while, we are concerned that people will leave. So this, they already know this. We already know this. It's just, we just need to do a better job of making sure that when we create something, they're not one-offs and people and everyone feels welcome. It's inclusive. There are diverse voices creating these opportunities and being allowed, or not, that's the wrong word to use, being um, welcomed and feeling comfortable to be part of the conversation. Um, and 
honestly, you, you guys have all said wonderful things and we are actually really looking forward to our executive director and everyone on our board to, to hear this messaging that you've all, and the points that you've all made. Just ripping off of what, what Yomi was mentioning is that, um, you know, what, what I'm hearing from, from the three of you um, is something that's been reinforced to me as somebody who's worked in the sector for um, over a decade now, um, is that, I mean, this is an exciting and innovative um, sector to work in, um, but we're just not quite there in terms of being able to streamline the career paths and, and really um, apply a, a value to the opportunities that are available um, to students who, who want to explore the sector. And um, there's some very clear, actionable steps that we can be taking in order to do so. And they were highlighted by um, the three of you today um, in, in, in many different ways. Um, yeah. I mean, COVID aside, um, you know, there are some, some challenges that, um, that you've identified that I know that I've um, thought about for years. Mm-hmm. And um, hearing some of the action steps that, that, you, that you feel that we could be taking, I mean, um, you know, that's at the core of what's going to change the sector. Uh, and certainly Shiomi's point about making sure that others know about it. I mean, um, that's, that's where, you know, it really needs to happen. The, the folks that are in those, those leadership roles, um, you know, need, need to recognize that uh, there, there are more opportunities to offer, you know, COVID aside, um, that, uh, you know, this is a, a, a very, um, it's a very promising sector work in and and we have the um the the workforce um you know very intelligent very insightful workforce um coming up um ready to fill positions so um we need to move (laughs) um just thinking in terms of um closing out our conversation um we may go back to the to some of the items that you you brought up in the introduction but um, maybe we can just close off by uh, having each of you um, just briefly summarize what you're looking forward to in terms of your professional uh, journey or even your personal journey um, moving forward. And uh, Julian, why don't we start with you? Uh, yeah, uh, I think my ultimate goal in life is to always grow and to improve as a person. So whether that means improving as a as me or improving as a an employee, I think I just want to find the opportunities where I can uh, engage with the world better and make space for people who don't have, who historically haven't had space made available to them. So if I, I guess like learning how to be an ally in the proper sense of the word and just kind of uh, finding ways to, to make opportunity for myself without taking opportunity away from other people, uh, I think would be kind of my ultimate career goal uh, <laughs> in, a, in a nutshell. And a goal that many others should follow too. Excellent. Thank you. Um, Amanda, how about you? What are you looking forward to? I'm, I'm looking forward to being an, being helpful to my community, finding ways to open more doors and create more opportunities for people who are underrepresented and don't have the access that a lot of people may have in order to make their own career advancements. I I think my my personal goal is to make sure everyone has 
a chance to do what they want to do and find their passion. And doesn't that echo the, um, the sort of shared sentiment that we all have around collaboration uh, and trust that's been woven through the conversation? Um, Hannah, how about you? I would 1000% agree with Amanda. I feel the exact same way. And then on top of that, I would add for my personal personal journey, finding where exactly I would fit in that goal and seeing how I can make that happen and figuring that out with time and experience of how I can make these moves and make sure that they're happening and hold people accountable for them. Hold people accountable. I like mm. that. Could I just add yeah. one thing? For sure. I just want to add that uh, I am so excited to see what the future generations, the the youth and the the, the kids that I hope to work with in some capacity, what they're going to bring and, and what ideas they're going to bring to the forefront. And I'm really excited to see what they achieve and how they shape the world uh, in the future. So that's always something that motivates me is to, to think of the future generations and how I can support them to be able to change the world and make it a better place. Absolutely. Yeah. And also not to take a, um, take for granted your generation because your generation, just like every new youth generation always makes a difference. And that's why we have um, organizing and people at the forefront at Black Lives Matter movement um, and you, you guys are, you, you did the conference, honestly, like, we, it's not something that we would have thought of, like, I don't know, three years ago, because who, who was thinking that there would be a pandemic and we would need to be forced to do a conference virtually and people would not feel, oh, I don't want to do something virtual. But like you were able to pull that off because as a generation, you guys are resilient. And yeah, and I completely agree with you, Julian, that. And because of your resilience and because of how motivational you are from everything that you have all said, I can see the future that you guys would do this work to support the next generation, if that makes sense. Thank you, Yomi. Uh, yeah, no problem. That's a great way to wrap up everything, eh? Thanks for listening. This podcast is brought to you by Working Culture. It's hosted by Yomi John, featuring co-hosts from the sector and edited by Santiago Bidoya. If you like our episodes, we want to hear your comments. And please subscribe. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. And for more Hustle and Thrive, check out our website at creativeworksconference.com. Join us again.